0: We live in an age of moral equivalency run amok. Some people believe that harming one animal is as evil as Hitler liquidating 10 million people. Trans fats are, in some people's estimation, biological weapons. and Some people believe that any political ideology that disagrees with me is tantamount to fascism. These are flawed views of the world that, in my judgment, echo a flawed view of sin that's broadly taught in many Christian circles. Perhaps you have heard, all sins are equal, or all sins are pretty much the same, or something else along those lines. But is that statement true? Or is it an example of the impact of moral equivalency on Christian doctrine? Now, it's true that all sins are equal in one respect. One sin is sufficient to condemn a soul. When Jesus was asked by the rich young ruler, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord responded, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me, Luke eighteen twenty-two. The lack of one thing stood in this man's way from inheriting eternal life. This means his unwillingness to sell all and distribute to the poor and follow Jesus, that one thing was sufficient to condemn his soul. But we don't need to resort to inference in order to prove the point. James is much clearer in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. We may be tempted to think, well, I may have done this wrong, but at least I didn't do that wrong and believe ourselves to be okay in God's eyes. What's ironic about this rationalization is it implies some sins are worse than others. To justify ourselves in our own eyes, we will convince ourselves that there are gradations of sin in order to ease our conscience. So we may say all sins are equal, but we don't always perceive our sins in that way. Therefore, We don't really believe all sins are equal. James says this attempt to assuage our conscience gives us a false sense of security. If God says both actions are sinful and you do one but not the other, you have still broken a commandment of God and your action has condemned you. So all sins are equal in one respect. If God declares an action sinful, committing that act is sufficient to condemn our souls. For this reason, we should take all sins seriously and do our absolute best, with God's help, to turn away from sin. However, although all sins are equal in one respect, all sins are not equal in every respect. The Bible teaches there are greater and lesser degrees of judgment and consequences. The old law did not legislate the same consequences for various sins. For example, in Exodus 22, compare the punishment for robbery in verse 7 with the punishment for sorcery in verse 18. Robbery required restitution sorcery was penalized by death both actions are condemned as sinful so they are equal in that respect but the different degrees of punishment implies sorcery was a more serious offense to god than robbery if all sins are equal in every respect would we not expect equal consequences Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed... Of him they will ask the more. Jesus draws a distinction between those who know what to do but choose to do wrong and those who do not know what to do. In the eyes of Jesus, if you know what is right and you choose to do wrong, you will receive a greater punishment than the one who does wrong but does not know God's will. Ignorance is not an excuse for sin. But it is not equal to rebellion in Jesus' eyes. Therefore, these two situations will be handled differently. So there are degrees of judgment and consequences taught by Jesus himself. One last example. James cautions us in chapter 3 verse 1, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. According to James, God holds teachers of his word to a higher standard than other Christians. Through their teaching, those who teach God's word can easily mislead those who listen. So it's incumbent upon teachers to be accurate in what they say about God's word. They must also take great care in the example they set for those who listen. As the saying goes, more is caught than is taught. In the first century, the scribes were the teachers of the law. Jesus says in Luke 20 verses 46 and 47, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. Jesus held the scribes, the teachers of the law, to a stricter judgment. Because they became enamored with the trappings of their station in Jewish society and used it for financial gain, They will receive greater condemnation. The Bible teaches that teachers of God's word are held to a higher standard than others in God's household. Those who fail to live up to the standard will be judged more harshly. So when it comes to matters of judgment and consequences, the Bible is clear that God does not view all sins equally in every respect. Rebellion and ignorance are not equal, nor are teachers in the church judged by the same standards as their students. Therefore, not all sins are equal in every respect. This is why Jesus teaches there are degrees of sins. Jesus, towards the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, says, "'Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, and teaches men so,' shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.19 The Sermon on the Mount is the foundational text for the Christian faith. More than any other teaching, it charts out the character qualities and values of the kingdom of God. And yet, Jesus says within it are greater and lesser commands. For example, Jesus says, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy." At the conclusion of what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus emphasizes the need to forgive others, showing us the value of mercy as both an ideal and a way to live. Later in Matthew 23:23, 23, 23, he condemns the scribes and Pharisees for neglecting the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faith. Mercy is a weightier matter of the law. Therefore, we can conclude that to be merciful is a greater command. So, Jesus teaches there are greater and lesser commands. In the case of blasphemy, Jesus says there are degrees of severity. In Mark chapter 3 verses 28 and 29, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, All sins will be forgiven the children of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. To be sure, blasphemy is a serious offense. To blaspheme means to speak with the intent to denigrate, injure, or harm another person, an idea, an institution, or God Himself it was punishable by death under the law of Moses. The Jews in Jesus' day were so cautious about blasphemy that they would never say the name of God out loud or write it down on paper for fear of committing this sin. Now Jesus says all sins, including various instances of blasphemy, can be forgiven except for one. God will not forgive someone who knowingly willfully blasphemes the Holy Spirit. Now, I find some consolation in these verses. Jesus promises to forgive all sins but one if someone genuinely repents and turns to him in faithful obedience. Virtually no one is too wicked for Jesus to forgive. So, if you've ever said to yourself, God will never forgive me, stop lying to yourself. Unless you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, You can be forgiven for anything. However, let's not lose sight of the point. If all sins are equal, why is there one sin which God will not forgive? I'll leave you with one last example. Jesus said to Pilate, The one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. John 19.11 it's a little difficult to discern who exactly is the one who delivered Jesus to Pilate. It could be Judas, it could be the high priest, it could be Herod, it could be the Sanhedrin, and it could be Satan. Regardless of who is to blame for Jesus standing before the Roman governor, one thing is clear. Jesus says that party is guilty of a greater sin than Pilate's. If all sins were equal, then Pilate would be just as guilty as whoever delivered Jesus to be judged by the Roman governor. As I draw this to a close, let me leave you with a few thoughts. Don't fall into the trap of moral equivalency. Don't fall into that trap that's been set by the surrounding culture. All sins are equal in one respect. If God declares an action sinful, committing that act places our souls in jeopardy of condemnation. But sins are not equal in all respects. Some sins are more serious than others, and the Bible makes this point very clear. Which leads me to a question I will have to answer in a future study. Why are some sins more serious than others? Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.